My message this morning is simple. Um, simple. It's a simple one, but it's complex to put into practice. So if you zone out, let me just summarize right now. In the midst of tragedy, in the midst of trials, don't turn inward. Turn to our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to him. Talk to God. Tell him exactly what you're feeling. Do what we have been studying in the book of Lamentations with Thou. Lament. Talk to him. Lament to him. Because remember, as we just sang, we stand forgiven at the cross. When's the last time you felt the weight of your sin? Of, of just how broken? Do you remember the first time you became a Christian? The first time you became a Christian. You remember when you became a Christian, the weight of your sin and how it was just crushing you. And you almost felt like, who could forgive this? Remember your salvation. And then in the midst of your trials, turn to him and lament and pour out your heart to him. Sometimes life is dark, very dark. And we look around and all we see is chaos. All you see is trouble. It's so easy to, to look horizontally all the time. Is that you? Is that where you are? Is that where you're living these days? If so, turn to the Lord. Tell him exactly what's going on. Don't turn inward. This is what the psalmist does. Have you ever read Psalm 88? If you haven't, it's pretty dark. Read it today. You'll hear things like, well, it, start, it starts out like a normal psalm. Lord of my salvation, and then it gets dark. Oh, Lord, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? The psalmist, he pours out his heart to the Lord. Now, the Lord was still with him, but this is what he feels, and he pours out his heart. Could you imagine singing this in church? Why have you rejected me? The psalmist is in despair, and he tells this to the Lord. And it ends on a down note as well. Verse 18, you have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in darkness. And that's how it ends. But don't forget, he is pouring his heart out to the Lord. And all Israel sang this as one of their psalms. God wants us to be honest with him. God wants to hear you. Don't turn inward. Talk to him. Jeremiah, the writer of the book that we're studying in Lamentations with Tao, his dark night came in Jeremiah chapter 19 and 20. This is a guy who's given a message and told, they're not going to listen to you. Go preach. Good luck. In chapter 19, he preaches. He was given a message. He was told exactly what's going to happen when Jerusalem is besieged by Nebuchadnezzar. And it's so dark. It says mothers are going to eat their own children for lack of food. And he brings this message to Israel. 
And they, it's so reprehensible, so disgusting to him. They put him in jail, but not only that, they torture him for a whole night. That's Jeremiah's dark night. It was a horrible night. We can only imagine what that was like. And when he was finally let go, he composes a psalm in chapter 20, and he quotes Job chapter 3. He curses the day of his birth. It's as if he had this memorized. Is that the verse that, you know, you choose to memorize? Cursing the day of your birth? Well, more on that later. You know, every Christmas Eve we watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I know it's cliche, uh, but we do. Um, sometimes, you know, we don't finish the whole thing, so sometimes George is stuck on the bridge for another year. Um, sometimes he's left in limbo, but sometimes we, we make it all the way. But every, everyone knows there's a crisis of faith. He contemplates suicide, um, and then he decides, oh, perhaps it would be better if I'd never been born. Well, let's talk about that a little later. More context on Job. We all know the story of Job. Um, Job had lost everything. Uh, I'm sure you have prized possessions. Um, uh, I have some of mine. Every time we come back from the beach, I turn the corner to see if my house is burnt down, uh, to see if my books are still there. Um, Job lost everything. Um, and then he lost his 10 children. And we gloss over there. Ah, he's from the ancient Near East. They had lots of kids. Imagine losing all of your children. His wife lost all her children. And then he loses his health. In all likelihood, he doesn't, he doesn't know that God has spoken in chapters 1 and 2. We know. But he doesn't know that this uh, disease is not life-threatening. In all probability, he thinks probably he's going to die. Humanly speaking, he thought this was the end. He doesn't know the conversation between God and Satan, that Satan made God a deal. He said, hey, give me Job, and he'll curse your name. Uh, give me, you know, I'll take some of his possessions away, I'll take some of his children away, he'll curse your name. Watch. And God says, do your worst, and he does. And Job's response in chapter 1 is, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His wife is a mess. She's grieving as well. She tells him, she sees her husband suffering, and she says, Oh, I, I don't want to see this anymore. Just, Job, curse God and die. And we're so hard and so quick to judge her. But she has lost everything, and now she looks and watches as she's about to become a widow. She just wants it to end. She said, just, just curse God. Just, who knows why he's punishing us? Just curse. Curse him and die, Job. Let's get it over with. Job says to her, shall we not indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And then the passage says, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Would we be the same? This is chapter 2. And so he's lost everything. He's lost the kids. His wife tells him to curse God and die. And then we come to chapter 3. 
his friends. Friends in the ancient Near East, they come from all over. Three of them come and they want to console him. And it's, the, the, the text says they see him from afar and they're just so overwhelmed, they, they start weeping as they're walking toward him. And so when we come to chapter 3, it's almost like a brick wall in the book of Job. It, it's, it's an impenetrable uh, rampart that we, we approach, and we, we just don't know how to appropriate it, because it starts out and he says, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. It reverses everything he has spoken thus far. Job had not sinned. Obviously, he was a sinner, but he had not sinned to, uh, to get the punishment of the Lord. But he sins in the process. He speaks and curses the day of his birth. He says foolish things, just like his wife had said. He earlier corrected her. Now he's the one speaking foolishness. But we have to temper our words while talking about Job because he has been in the midst of horrible adversity, the likes of which we've never encountered. Listen to a few verses of chapter 3. Let the day perish on which I was to be born, and the night which said, A boy is conceived. May that day be darkness. Let not God care for it, nor light shine on it. Why did I not die at birth? Verse 11. Come forth from the womb and expire. Verse 20. Why is light given to him who suffers, and life to the bitter of soul? Job is at his darkest in chapter 3. He's, he's wishing he's never, he'd never been born, or at least died at birth. He looks at his life, and all it is is suffering. He wants it gone. He wants to be wiped out. And for him to say that means what? means that he would erase all the blessing that the Lord had given him. And we know the end. Job didn't know the end, but even the blessing that would come later. The blessing of having this book for us to read when we suffer as well. He's at his darkest. And perhaps you've been here as well, where you look at your life and it's all tragedy, it seems. You see, you can't see the blessing, you just see the curse or the effects of your own sin, that it becomes so weighty and so crushing that you, you, you say, oh, you don't even talk to the Lord, you just say it out, I, I wish I'd never been born. You don't even tell him. You can tell him, though. But this is what Jeremiah said in chapter 20. It seems as though even to the prophet, this message, uh, it, it's, it's so hard to see his own people be judged that he says, I, I wish I would, I'd never been born. He says the same thing that Job says. And Jeremiah He's, this is why he's called the weeping prophet. He's so overcome by the judgment, the impending judgment that's going to come, that he can see nothing but curse. And he was given great hope by God 
He knows there's going to be blessing on the other end, but he can't see anything now except tragedy. Joe's misery is compounded because in chapter 3, after he opens his mouth and curses the day of his birth, and again, to give him some grace, his three friends rebuke him for 30-some chapters. He has just lost everything. He, he lost his children. And these three friends come in chapter 2, it says, to console him. And now all they do is rebuke the guy. They're in the wrong. And we know that because at the end of Job, God tells us that he is angry at these three friends. But Job's misery is compounded because they further tempt him to, to, to see God as unkind or unloving or untrustworthy. Because Job doesn't know why he's suffering. He doesn't know what's in chapter 1 and 2. He thinks God, well, he doesn't say that God is unjust, but he, he dances around that subject. And God is silent. There's no vision, there's no dream, there's no word. All he has is his friends who have great theology, but such an unkind spirit. If one of them had just, you know, at the end of chapter 3, he curses the day of his birth. What if one of them just wrapped their hand around Job and said, I'm glad you were born. You have been a blessing to me. But that's not what he gets. They tell him that God is angry with them and that he is suffering because he's, uh, he has done something. And so his friends tempt him that God has abandoned him. I don't think we understand just how profound Job's trial is because it goes way beyond losing your possessions, losing your children. Now he is losing his God and he's being tempted to think he's not who you thought he was. This is, this is Job's trial and this is why the, the chapters go on after three. Well, we have to skip a little ahead and spoil the ending. We're told in James 5 about the patience of Job. In spite of chapter 3. You know, chapter 3, it just seems all despair. But later in the New Testament, we see James says, you've heard about the endurance of Job or the patience of Job. Job sins in the course of his trial. He does. He says too much. And in fact, there comes a time when God speaks, um, and, and please do not use this as a paradigm for someone who is suffering, but God does finally speak. Um, and he asks a grieving Job some 60 questions about birds and uh, creation. And one of those questions is, why was the hippopotamus created? Now, you're not God, so do not tell this to a grieving widow. Um, but God was trying to get at something. He was trying to remind Job how great, how 
how far above he is from us. The patience of Job is displayed when God does finally speak, he closes his mouth and he says, I understand. I understand you're the God who created me. I understand you're the God who saved me. Job relents, and it says he, he closes his mouth. He has spoken too much. Well, chapter 3 is instructive to us. It tells us what not to do. And not that we have to beat ourselves up because we have thoughts, but pour those out to the Lord. Job wasn't pouring his thoughts out to the Lord. He was just pouring his thoughts out. Jeremiah uses Job's words, but he sings them to the Lord. Imagine that. God is not offended because we pray how we're feeling, that we tell him how truly uh, we have failed or how truly we feel as though we failed. God wants to hear everything. He wants us to pour our hearts out to him instead of turning inward and just cursing the day of our birth. Jeremiah laments. He laments. You lament. Lament to the Lord because do you know what's going to happen in time? The Lord's going to show you the tremendous blessing that your life has even been. Even, even the rough stuff, God turns. He can turn for his own glory. But even if you don't see it, this side of the Jordan, we have to trust because we know he is greater, far greater than all the rough stuff, than all our sin. He can use it and turn it. Look, he, he even turned the sins of Job's friends, uh, and we're reading it 4,000 years later. 